Family Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, my friend, Aaron Schlein here, and welcome to episode number eight of Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Today, we're tackling one of the greatest fears for parents when it comes to travel, flying with babies and toddlers. Now, I am hardly an expert on this topic, which is why I invited Trish McDermott on the show to help us out. Trish is the co-founder of babyquip.com, and she is in the trenches every single day helping parents travel boldly and confidently with babies and toddlers. In some recent research, we asked parents, like, what stresses you out about family travel? And the number one answer was just simply getting through the airport and the flight. Trish shares some incredibly valuable wisdom about how to not just survive, but how to have some fun when flying with your littlest travelers. And that wisdom, my friend, comes from experience. I might have a nine-year-old watching a four-year-old while I was carrying an infant and holding the hand of a two-year-old. It certainly wasn't easy. The one thing I did learn, though, is that family travel really does take a village. We like to help each other. It feels good to know that we've been helpful. The notes for this episode and for every episode of Family Travel Radio are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're on your way to work or out for a walk or even snuggled up in that favorite chair, we are talking about flying with babies and toddlers today on Family Travel Radio. So please enjoy my chat with Trish McDermott from BabyQuip. Trish McDermott is joining us today on Family Travel Radio. Trish is the co-founder and family travel expert at BabyQuip, the leading baby gear rental marketplace, helping families pack light and travel easier to more than 260 destinations in the U.S. and Canada. Powered mostly by gig economy moms, BabyQuip is like Airbnb, but for cribs, car seats, toys, strollers, and a whole lot more. Trish is best known for her 10 years helping to launch and then running communications for Match.com. And having traveled solo with her four children over the years, Trish now feels eminently qualified to speak on the challenges of family travel. Trish McDermott, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Let's start here, though, Trish. Online dating to baby gear. Take us through that journey real quick. Well, I think my background has been in entrepreneurship and really in building and growing companies that change lives. So it seems like a natural progression, right? A little bit of love and romance, eventually marriage, and then the kids come. So BabyQuip really takes care of all those couples who fell in love using online dating services like Match and are now trying to travel with their kids and realize, you know, it's a little harder than it looks. I, I can agree with that. Let's start with you just personally, Trish. Tell me about uh, just your travels over the years with your family and how that's impacted your lives. Okay, so I have four kids. They're a little older now, uh, 21, 16, 14, and 12. But when I was a little younger and they were babies, I often traveled with them and sometimes solo. So, you know, I might have a nine-year-old watching a four-year-old while I was carrying an infant and holding the hand of a two-year-old and somehow trying to get toys and books and games and pack and plays and clothes and beach gear, everything we needed to have fun at our destination. It certainly wasn't easy. 
The one thing I did learn, though, is that, you know, family travel really does take a village. And I often asked for help on flights. I had many, many people hold babies for me while I took care of another one. Um, And I constantly encourage uh, parents who are traveling, especially traveling solo, to reach out. There are a lot of good people out there who are willing to help. Well, that's interesting. Tell me, give me some advice for for myself and for any folks out there who might be hesitant to reach out to strangers for whatever reason. What tips do you have for us? Well, here's, here's my secret tip. Whenever I took my kids on a flight, I always dressed them super adorably. Now, comfortably, you know, often it was a red eye. They, we might need them to sleep. Um, but I remember one year I dressed them all like pirates. They had little pirate shirts and they had patches. And I do think that the humanity of our children, like if our seatmates, people on the flight, see them first as cute little kids and then experience, you know, that the baby is crying or the toddler is kicking the chair, um, they tend to see them differently. So I'm all for the adorable factor. Um, but also consideration. I mean, sometimes just bringing earplugs to hand to a seatmate who might be uh, having to listen to your baby cry. Uh, I've even brought like chocolates and little candies. Um, that lets people know that you are trying to be considerate. And once they see that, they'll meet you halfway. They know that babies cry, they know that toddlers get fussy. And if they see you working, to help them have a better flight, their willingness to step in and help you, or, or even just have a good attitude about the disruption is a lot higher. And just imagine you giving out the the earplugs or the candy. People, are, are they kind of taken aback by that, by that generosity? That just seems like something you, you wouldn't expect someone to do. And people probably remember you years later, the woman with the kid who gave, with the kids dressed like pirates who gave me the candy. That's just such a sweet, sweet gesture the, as the response to that generally been been positive? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I have to tell you, I have asked a couple of people to hold babies and um, the look on their face when you hand them a baby and they hold that baby for a minute or two is really precious. Now, not everyone wants to hold your baby, um, but those who do, they love that moment. And we like to help each other. It feels good to know that we've been helpful. So, you know, if you see a mom on a flight and she's holding a baby and the pacifier drops to the floor and she can't reach it, offer to, you know, pick it up and take it to the restroom and pour a water bottle over it and clean it for her. You know, these little gestures really make a big difference in our lives and kindness. I mean, I I can't stress how important it is for us to just be thoughtful and and kind to people. That's funny. Babies elicit they always elicit a reaction. Everybody gives you a look of some sort when you hand them a baby. It's like you said, it's not always a positive, but there's nobody who has a neutral feeling about, about receiving a baby in their arms or just, there's always a, a feeling behind it. And that, that's just super cool that you're just so willing to, like you said, engage that, that village to, to help out and then offering the help when, when, when someone else needs it. I think that's just very beautifully said, and I'm glad we were able to, to spread that message today. So let's, let's step through some some specific some specific tactics that you can speak on let's start with with airports just navigating airports can be very stressful at least it can be anxiety producing so let's 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 step through some some airport tips for folks traveling with small kids absolutely you know um in some recent research we asked parents like what stresses you out about family travel and the number one answer was just simply getting through the airport and the flight right like 
Because think about it. I mean, once you get to the beach or the mountains, wherever you're going, that's where the aha comes in and you get to relax. But getting there with babies and toddlers can really be difficult. So a couple of things. Let's start with TSA because everyone's walking through that security checkpoint. If your kids are a little older and they haven't done it before, take a minute to explain it to them that these men and women are our friends. They're making sure that we stay safe when we fly and there's nothing to worry about. Um, If you're going through TSA with another parent or another adult in your life, divide and conquer. So send someone through the line first and then scoot your little ones through the checkpoint preferably having them walk. Because if you trigger the alarm and you're holding a toddler, then actually both of you can have additional search go on. So if your kids can walk through, it's a good idea to do so. And remember, families can often cut in line. You know, if they see you with a family, you can ask and they'll often take you right to the front of of the line. Also, you know, a lot of parents worry about that 3.4 ounce limit of walking through TSA in terms of breast milk or juice or uh, formula, but you as a parent with young kids, you can actually bring much larger liquid containers through. You often have to take them out. They might be subject to x-ray, which is okay, but you can bring them and you can even bring ice packs to keep those various beverages cold. So don't think that you can't bring all of that with you. And we all know if we're parents that when a baby or a little one is thirsty or needs to nurse, it's uh, important that uh, we feed them as soon as we can. Absolutely. And that is, that's a golden advice there that that additional liquid that you can bring through with, with your children. Cause that would, we learned that lesson. Um, it's a, it's a good lesson to learn that when we were traveling with our, our son, when he was an infant that we had, like you said, we had the breast milk and the water and all that stuff. And you can, you, you can actually get that through beyond that 3.4 ounce limit. Huge to know. So folks out there who, who aren't aware that you actually can exceed those limits when you're traveling with the baby. Uh, now, you know, thanks to Trish here. So, so, um, so talking about the flights and I'm, specifically longer flights. And then I want to kind of get back into to the airport situation again, if, into the international space. But there's a lot of folks out there, myself included. I just recently sort of jumped off the cliff and bought tickets for my wife and my two kids. We're going to go to London in April. That's an 11-hour flight. I've got a five and a three-year-old. I'd love, love, love some tips for those long, grueling international flights with kids. Right. So um, to a certain extent, when you're flying 12 hours, there's no complete work around the fact that your toddler is likely to get fussy. Um, But that having been said, there are some things you can do. So to the extent that you can travel when your baby is likely to either be on his or her nap schedule or actually through the night is probably better. You know, even if even if you can get your child to sleep five or six hours, if in fact you're on a red eye, um, those are five or six hours when he or she is not looking for something fun to do on the plane, but stuck in their seat, right? Um, Also, if you are flying internationally, sometimes it's a good idea to adjust your child's nap and bedtime schedule gradually to nudge it closer to the time zone that you will be vacationing in. This is less about the flight and more about just kind of landing smoothly. Um, But you can, you know, especially if it's a three-hour difference, but even a six-hour difference, just changing, changing nap times gradually, maybe the week before, can be helpful. I think where you sit on the plane 
whether it's a short flight or a long flight, can make a difference. So if you're sitting with an infant and you have not booked the seat, you know, your infant is a lap baby, that's what you've elected to do, generally you don't want to sit in the aisle. Just much more disruption, more likelihood that someone's going to barge through with a large bag and conk you or the baby on the head. Uh, it's a little noisier. Uh, if you actually want your baby to sleep, then really sitting by that window seat might be better. Also just gives you a little more privacy for feeding and nursing. Um, you also might want to check with your airline about their baby changing uh, facilities. They seem to be a little different on different airlines and even on different planes. So, you know, changing the dreaded dirty diaper, uh, you know, high in the sky, um, that can be a challenge. And so airlines that accommodate that better might be more preferable for parents. Do, um, do you know any of those off the top of your head? Like, give me an example. Like, what's the... Give me an example of like the bottom of the barrel, the worst of the worst experiences, and then maybe a gold standard. If you can get specific as you can with, with airlines and even aircraft. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I happened to just have a call with JetBlue the other day uh, asking them specifically what their accommodations are for changing babies. Because, you know, some flights have in the restroom like a little changing station that folds down. And uh, so the woman I had on the phone checked and she said on all of the planes that they are currently flying, they do have that accommodation. That made me like JetBlue. I thought, okay, somebody, you know, somebody gets it, right? Um, you know, sometimes there are social etiquette rules, right? I mean, you could you change a wet diaper if, you know, you and everyone sitting in your row is all with your party and you have a little blanket? I think so. Uh a dirty diaper, probably not, right? You expose a lot of people on the plane <laughs> to that. Um, so that's really not cool. Some of the air, air, the restrooms in the planes are just very, very small. And if you need two people, some parents feel they do. One to kind of hold the baby and one to do the work. That can get challenging as well. I mean, I think we as families who travel should continue to be talking to airlines about what do we do with babies, right? Um, I don't know if you saw recently, but there was a woman on an international flight coming back uh, from, I think she might have been in Sydney, flying to San Francisco in business class, and her baby was crying. And the flight attendant told her there was a rule that babies can't cry for more than five minutes on a flight. <laughs> or what? Well, exactly. I mean, those of us who are parents know that, you know, we can't always just turn crying off. And um, apparently this flight attendant assisted it was, or insisted rather, it was in a manual somewhere. Um, and, you know, the mother, understandably, was very disturbed by that. There's lots of ways we can help a parent who has a baby crying on a flight, but pulling out the manual and telling her it's forbidden is, you know, probably not one of them. Yeah, you don't always have all the right answers to to solve a problem, but I can I can pretty clearly tell you what you shouldn't do, and that's on the list. That's just you're not helping. There's no upside to that conversation, and that's kind of quite frankly shocking that those words would ever fly out of anyone's mouth. But right, I mean, want to shame parents because their babies cry because we have all been babies who've cried. It's just part of the human experience. Well, and as a, as a parent myself, and even before I was a parent, just being on a plane and. Look, watching parents with their kids, and I, I kind of sit more 
in awe, even if the kids are having a hard time, just that they're they're doing it, that they're there, they showed up, they're taking the trip, whether they're just going to see grandma or whether they're taking them across the world on vacation. It's just, they're doing it. And it's, it, to me, it's very commendable. And I, I, I have a lot of patience as a fellow passenger. It's just the way I'm wired, but not every, not everybody quite does. And you, you mentioned JetBlue and I just can not make a JetBlue commercial, but they are doing some pretty innovative things, especially in the family, the family realm. They have a program specifically for families traveling with children with autism and they're a member of the Family Travel Association. So lots of good things going on at JetBlue. Certainly there's plenty of other airlines doing good things too, but, but JetBlue, since you mentioned them by name, I figured I'd kind of point that out as well. Going through the flight, again, the international flights, you talked about TSA here in the States. Once you're out of country, though, those security rules vary widely from country to country. Do you have any specific tactics or or tips for managing security, immigration, things like that in other countries? Yeah, I mean, so sort of two issues. One is just the length of time, right? Sometimes just, you know, clearing customs. If if you're at a busy airport, it can take a a long amount of time and your kids have been cooped up for a while. Um, I'm a big believer in all forms of family travel of the divide and conquer concept that, you know, one parent stands online, one parent runs the kids to the restroom or lets them, you know, do cartwheels in the corner, uh, gets them snacks, etc. And if you can think about how frustrated you might be waiting in line, you know, it's really 2x or 4x for your kids because they don't get it. They just want to, they want to be having fun. They want some food. They want to be outside. Um and then uh, it's uh, lots of regulations are different in different countries. That includes car seats. You know, if you're flying with a car seat to another country, assuming that your American or Canadian made car seat meets the standards or is approved or will fit in the cars in those countries, you might be surprised. And so doing some advanced research, uh, you can Google. There's some good articles I've come across where parents have already forged that territory and they're willing to share that information. But to the extent that you can have advanced knowledge so you're not surprised, I, I think that's really important. Also, car seats in general. You know, not all car seats are approved for flight. If they are, they sh- they'll have a little sticker on them that says that. And sometimes flight attendants will look for those. And even the seat that you sit in, not all seats on a plane can accommodate a car seat. So we need to make those calls. I also think we need to encourage airlines to be more proactive in reaching out to families who are traveling and helping us understand how we best navigate the flight, right? Information is our friend. Well, let's put that intention out to the end of the world, Trish. Be as specific as you can. What what information would you like to see coming our way from from airlines? Sure. Well, I mean, just, you know, as a parent, not only someone working with families that travel all the time, but just as a parent who flew all the time with my kids, um, what I'd like to know, obviously, is where do I change my baby? Uh, I want to know where I can put a car seat. I certainly don't want to book seats and then realize that the two car seats that I wanted to put there actually won't fit or aren't, aren't approved. I like to know is there near my gate a little kitty play area? Some airports have done some really innovative things with just, you know, creating like little fun zones where kids can get their yayas out, right? Have a little fun, <laughs> pass the time. So they're not sitting in a chair for an hour and a half before they get on a plane and have to sit in a chair for another five or 10 hours. So, I mean, I'd really love to see the airline industry and I raise my hand, Babyquip is willing to work with them to do this. 
to really think through family travel and, you know, to help parents have the information they need to be successful when they fly, to make flying fun. You know, one of the things I did with my kids when um, we flew is I would make little surprise boxes, little cardboard boxes for each of them with age appropriate little things like stickers and crayons, um, a toy or two, quiet toys, not noisy toys. And sometimes I wouldn't even buy them new. Sometimes I would just sort of steal some of their toys a month before the flight and hide them away (laughs) for a little while. So they would seem new. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to do this. But, you know, for kids, having new things to play with, uh, kind of important on a flight. And I knew some airlines will hand you some crayons, but airlines maybe could do a better job of both having meals that accommodate our kids and having little playful you know, fun boxes that keep them occupied. I don't know if you read Johnny Jett. Johnny Jett is a travel blogger and he wrote a lovely piece the other day about an airline. And now I can't remember which one that um, gave him for his baby a little like travel log, like a journal that he could then every time he flew, provide a little information where they flew, what kind of plane it was, etc. A keepsake, basically, that he could give to his son when he was an adult and say, hey, here's all the places that we, we took you. I love that idea, right? It's, it's about experiences. Millennials, when, we tra- when they travel, it's about the experience. It's not just sitting in the chair, but it's you know how it feels and ha- how they interact with people and what it means. And so I think in small ways, airlines are getting it right, but I, I still think there's more they can do. Well, certainly. And I appreciate you putting all those, this, those intentions, that wish list out, out there into the world and airlines, if you're out there, you're out there listening, the family travel, family travel is, is on the rise. And what are you doing to set yourself apart and to appeal to the family traveler? Cause we're out here, we we're on the move and we spend money and that's, that's really what drives, that's really what drives our, our world here in the, uh, in the capitalistic part of part of planet earth. And speaking, that's actually a great segue into the next uh, kind of part of the conversation using uh, baby quip as, as an example of to tell me about just what baby quip does and then describe how you employ the gig economy in, in that business model. Sure. So we are a baby gear rental service. Uh, we're in about 260 markets now and what we help parents do or grandparents as well is pack really light when you travel with your kids. So rather than having to lug all of the stuff you need, and if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, um, from, you know, an infant bathtub to an exorciser to a full-size crib, just like the one at home, so baby sleeps well through the night, um, you don't have to take that through the airport or pay to check it. We will go to your hotel, to your Airbnb, or to grandma's house, and we will deliver and set up all that gear. And the gear is safe. It's insured. It's been checked on the product recall list. It's modern. It's the gear that you're using in your home. And our goal really is to help families have a home-like experience wherever they travel. And we know if babies sleep well through the night and if kids are happily engaged with toys and books and games and outdoor gear. We rent jogging strollers and baby backpacks and beach gear. If they're engaged during the day, then everyone gets to have fun on the vacation. And that's really our mission. Delight traveling families, give them a fabulous vacation experience and take all the stress away. We deal with the stress. 
So let's talk about that gig economy that BabyQuip uses to, to, to disseminate this equipment across these various places across North America. First, just take a moment, describe what the gig economy is for anyone out there who doesn't understand, and then kind of describe how BabyQuip uses that to its advantage and to its customers' advantage. So the gig economy is all around you. It's your Uber driver. It's the person who is providing the Airbnb that you're staying at in Chicago or New York or Philadelphia. It's Rover where you take your dog uh, to a neighbor's house you find on the platform uh, because you're traveling and you need someone to watch your adorable puppy. It's all the websites that are out there that are marketplaces that connect people who provide a service with people who need that service, whether it's someone to bring groceries to your door or in our case, to bring a crib and a car seat and a giant bin of toys to your hotel room. Marketplaces are unique types of businesses. Uh, We love that we're powered by mostly moms in the gig economy, although we have some dads and some retired folks as well. But these people who are your providers at BabyQuip, they know their baby gear and uh, they are building businesses on our platform. We train them to do sales and marketing, even public relations. They go on television and talk about their businesses. And we teach them about baby baby gear cleanliness and safety and how to really understand the needs of traveling families in their local markets. Sometimes it's really different. If you're staying in Vail and it's November, you might need very different baby gear than if you're staying in San Diego. Um, And for them, it's a way to quickly, in a matter of days, launch a business and have customers and actually make very good money. If you think about the rental industry, you um, have sort of two pieces of work. You drive gear to somebody's home or hotel and set it up, and then you pick it up a week later, and then you clean it and put it back in your inventory. Also, in our case, the work is really fun. Parents love it when you show up with gear and you should see the looks on kids faces when you walk in with a 32 gallon bin stuffed with toys, you know, they're looking at their hotel room and there's nothing to do. You are like Santa Claus every time you make a delivery Uh, and, and using the gig economy has helped us grow our business very quickly. I mean, we're two years old and we're already in every major travel destination in the U S most in Canada. And every day we add providers to the platform and we open new markets every week. We're opening new markets. So uh, it allows us to grow really fast, which means we get to meet the needs of traveling families uh, just about everywhere. Well, you mentioned the smile on the kid's face. I bet that smiles equally wide on the face of the parents when when they don't have to travel with all that stuff, but yet their kids happy, got all the toys and the familiar, familiar, fun, fun things from home. So tell me, take me through just as a customer. If I'm, I want to, I want to use baby quip on my next vacation. Tell me how exactly do I, do I do that? Sure. Well, you just come to our website, just babyquip.com, And we'll ask you right away, where are you traveling and when are you going? And you plug that information in and we give you a list of providers. You'll see a map, so you'll see if if you've given us the exact address, like I'm staying, you know, in the Hilton in Miami, you'll see the provider who lives the very closest to you. But we let you pick providers because some specialize in all organic 
um, bedding or um, high-end or outdoor gear. So you can look through the providers and see who has the gear that you're interested in. Most of us have somewhere between 40 and 60 pieces of gear, and then we also have packages. So a package might be for an infant like a crib and a um, monitor, you know, a video monitor and a car seat, um, you know, maybe an infant bathtub, right? And you can buy that as a package as well. We also do holiday packages. So during the winter holidays, like Christmas or Hanukkah, we'll bring a menorah and candles or a Christmas tree and stockings to hang by the chimney with care, uh, really so that you can have that home-like experience, including a major holiday wherever you are. What about for cruises for folks down in uh, down in Florida or Southern California? Do you guys work with any of the, the any cruise passengers? So we have provided gear for cruises. We're very interested in working with the cruise lines because um, we can also specialize in gear that's a little smaller, that is likely to fit better in a cabin. Um, and, you know, again, if you're bringing children on a cruise, even if it's a very family friendly cruise and there are like, you know, children's activities and play areas, at some point you're sitting with that toddler in your cabin and having that cabin geared up to accommodate his or her needs can be a game changer on a cruise. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. And yeah, that's that's a huge value, huge value to provide. And I would imagine that you, you should be able to get some traction with those cruise lines because it feels like it's a, it's a win 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 all the way you know, all the way around. Nothing but nothing but good stuff. Trish McDermott, you have just been uh, just dropping knowledge on us, dropping value on us from the very get go here in this interview. Really appreciate you taking the time on Family Travel Radio and. My friend, if you want to rent some baby gear, high quality stuff using the gig economy for your next trip, head over to babyquip.com. That's B-A-B-Y-Q-U-I-P.com. Trish McDermott, thanks so much for taking the time today on Family Travel Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Yes, indeed, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. I want to give a special thanks to Abe in Carmichael, California. Thanks to Abe for providing the intro to this episode. Once again, the notes for this episode are available at familytravel.org slash radio. Tons of links and all the resources we chatted about today with Trish McDermott from BabyQuip. They're all right there in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, we are going to see you again next time. This is Aaron Schlein, and I am signing off. Family Travel Radio.